The good news is that you don't need to sit down and read the Bible from cover to cover in one massive chunk. All you need to do is read it one bit at a time. G'day everyone, my name is Mark Schroeder and welcome to Schroeder's Bible Bits. I'm a college chaplain and my job is to teach children and youth the wonderful truths that are found in God's Word, the Bible. I speak at chapels, at youth services, at church services, I teach at kids clubs and lunchtime Bible groups. Uh, At all of these places, I always teach from the Bible because I'm convinced that from the Bible, we get to learn about God and how He has loved us and how He has saved us through Jesus. Tune in and continue to learn about Jesus for yourself, not in one chunk, but bit by bit. G'day everyone, Uh, here is the last Bible talk from the series that I've been doing in chapel on John's Gospel. Uh, If you've been following along on Schroeder's Bible Bits, you'll know that I've been speaking on the seven signs that Jesus um, has done in John's Gospel. Um, These things are written so that we would believe. And so that's how I conclude this series now, uh, by challenging students to look at these signs that John has written about, but believe in Jesus, um, because in him we have life. Take a seat. Okay. Uh, In Queensland, on the Sunshine Coast, on the Gold Coast actually, um, there is a museum and the museum's called Ripley's Believe It or Not. Has anyone ever been to Ripley's Museum? Yeah, it's pretty weird, right? As you walk past the front door of Ripley's Museum, there's some weird things that are out the front that get your attention, weird things that look like something out of a medieval world, um, weird wax models and that sort of stuff. Uh, But here are some facts from Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum. That's sort of a salamander, the, I can't even say that, Mr. Mr. Dimmel, you might be able to say it. Is it a, I don't know, is it a Spanish word? Botlicos Lugasa. Uh, Dolphinia, I don't know, salamander, there's a salamander from Central America, can extend its tongue more than half its length of its body. Sorry, more, more than half its body length. That's 50 times faster than you can blink an eye as well. So that's crazy. 50 times since I said blink an eye as quickly as you can, right? The salamander can get its tongue out half its body length and back in 50 times faster than you can blink. That's an incredible fact, isn't it? A little lizard does incredible things. Here's this one here, this guy called Eden, Eden Mehik. He was fined after burping too loudly in Vienna, Austria Park on February the 7th in 2016. Don't burp in Vienna. If you go to Vienna, what did you say? Yeah, you're in big trouble, Mr. Dimmel. Um, Here's one about a snail. We all know that snails are slow, but it would take a snail about 220 hours to crawl one mile. I can believe that. We know that snails are slow, right? And what about this one here about getting old? When you're born, you've got about 300 bones, but when you are old, you end up with just about 206. Isn't that weird to think? Your bones either disappear or they join together. So when you're born, your skull is made up of different pieces and different plates and they slowly fuse together. And that must be the same for other bones, like in your feet and in your hands as well. Um, here's another one. Mosquito apparently have 47 teeth. I didn't know that. I thought they just had one big long nose, which is like a needle, right? They stabbed it in and then they sucked up the blood through the needle nose. Uh, and then this last one here, which is about the depth of the ocean. 
On average, the ocean is about as deep as eight Empire State buildings. On average. That means it's deeper in some places. That's extraordinary, isn't it? These cool facts that we, we sort of see and you go, wow, that's, that's pretty great. Um, does anyone have trouble believing any of those facts? We all accept them. You know, you, you walk into Ripley's and, and you see these facts and you go, yeah, cool. I can, I can take all those, even though some of them are pretty unbelievable, like the, the tongue one, far out. That's pretty fast, 50 times faster than you can blink an eye. A tongue goes out and back in. I find that hard to believe, but I can still believe it. Um, here's another one which I find hard to believe, which is my favourite. It's this one here. I'll let you read it for a sec. Todd Ray of Los Angeles, California, he owns a dog called Toby, a two-year-old Australian shepherd and he has two noses. I saw this fact and I actually was, was pretty sceptical. I'm like, nah, that's, that's fake. Like somebody's done something like, you know, they've got some different dogs and they've taxidermied them together. I did not believe it. And so I did some more Google searching, but actually it's true. Look at that. There it is. Isn't that weird? Does that do weird things to your eyes? It does weird things to mine. It feels like it's messing with my brain. It looks like you've got two um, Australian shepherd dogs which have been cut in half and then glued back together not quite right. Isn't that trippy? That's a real true life thing. You can find, I mean, the dog's a bit older now. I don't know if it's still alive. So, um, yeah, but this was a few years ago now. But nevertheless, true fact. Ripley's, lots of facts there, right? But does anyone know the, the catch cry or the little slogan that goes under Ripley's? It's Ripley's and then there's a little line underneath it. Do you know what it says? What's it say? Yeah, Believe it or not. And that's what I want to think about today. At Ripley's Museum, there's incredible and outrageous things that are presented to the visitors of this museum or the readers of the books of these facts. But the challenge is in that subtitle. Ripley's, believe it or not. There's something we've got to do with this information. Pieces of information that we see like this that are outrageous, but actually they call the visitor, call the learner, the researcher to digest this information and believe it or don't. The thing is, this sort of piece of information here about Toby, the two-year-old Australian shepherd dog with two noses, if I don't believe that, so what, right? There's no great big impact on my life. If I do believe it, so what? There's no great big impact on my life. Same goes with the mosquitoes having 47 teeth. Whether or not it's got 47 teeth or one big long needle nose, the fact is that little sucker is going to suck my blood and I'm not going to like it, right? It's going to leave a little itchy bite. It's, whether or not I believe it, it doesn't make any difference to me, does it? All those things. It doesn't make any difference whether or not I believe it or not. But the thing is, that is not the case when it comes to the good news about Jesus. We've read in John's Gospel about the big signs that Jesus has done. We've read about those seven signs. Do you remember them? There's one where Jesus has healed that sick boy from a long distance, where he's turned water into wine, where he's raised up Lazarus even from the dead. These incredible signs that Jesus has done to give testimony about himself as God's chosen representative, in fact, as God in the flesh who has come to bring life. And these are amazing facts, sort of like Ripley's Believe It or Not, but actually just like Ripley's Believe It or Not, we need to believe it or not, right? But differently, the difference is, is that if you don't believe it, it will make a difference. It will bring about a big consequence in the end if you don't. 
But likewise, if you do, there is also a wonderful consequence, isn't there? Let's read on in John's Gospel from John chapter 20. Because we know that Jesus dies, but then the best thing about Jesus is that Jesus comes back from the dead. And although this is not counted as one of the major signs in John's Gospel, I still think it is a sign nevertheless that we should pay careful attention to. This is straight from the Bible from John chapter 20. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So remember, what's this stone? This is the stone that's covering the entrance of the tomb that Jesus is laid in. Jesus is crucified. Jesus is really dead. He is really taken down from the cross. And Jesus is fed incomely, laying in the tomb, wrapped in cloth and treated like a dead person. And he is put in that tomb. The tomb is sealed shut. There are guards outside. Jesus is really dead and he is really dead for one, two and three days. Jesus is actually dead. Mary Magdalene goes back to the tomb and as she gets there, the stone is removed from the entrance, verse 2. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and he looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and he believed. You see, Mary goes to the tomb expecting to see Jesus' dead body, but is Jesus' dead body there? No. Is there evidence that his body had previously been there? Yes. But is he there any longer? No, he is not there. And they are seeing this for themselves and they are believing this for themselves, that Jesus is no longer in the tomb. He is gone. Verse 19. On the evening of that very first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish Passover, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. What? Jesus hasn't just been taken from the tomb, but Jesus is actually risen from the dead. That's why he wasn't in the tomb, because he has come back from the dead. He is no longer dead but Jesus is alive. And here he is in verse 19, giving very real physical evidence that he is actually alive. And in verse 24, now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when he came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. Thomas, Didymus, he did not believe. This is fascinating, right? We're going to see here, look, but he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. Do you remember Thomas or Didymus? He was also at the tomb of Lazarus. Do you remember what Jesus did for Lazarus? He rose him from the dead. But still Thomas, he does not even believe that Jesus himself has risen yet. He needs some more evidence. I want to touch. I want to see. I want to experience this myself. Otherwise, I will not believe. Verse 26, verse 26 a week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Oh, he's there this time. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said, 
to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. You see, Jesus was really dead. He was really put in the tomb. He was really dead for three days. He really was. And then Jesus really did come back to life. They saw the empty tomb, but more than just the empty tomb, they saw Jesus physically raised from the dead. He was in the room with them, not as a figment of their imagination, not like a shared hallucination, which, by the way, just does not happen. If I hallucinate spiders running on that back wall, I'm the only one that sees that hallucination. No one else sees it. You can't have a shared hallucination. Jesus is not a ghost even because what does Thomas do? He puts his fingers in the holes of Jesus' hands, which is super gross, I get it. But he experiences the physical death that Jesus experienced. He sees that Jesus really was dead, but now he sees that Jesus really is alive. He also puts his hand into Jesus' side, which is also fascinating and a wonderful piece of evidence because why did they stab Jesus' side? To see if Jesus was actually dead when he was on the cross. They would thrust a spear into the criminal's side and see if a mixture of blood and water came out because when you die, your blood and water separates from itself. That's gross, isn't it? But here's the evidence again. Jesus really was dead. But now what is Jesus showing? Jesus is really showing that he is now, fair dinkumly, really, truly, actually alive. He is no longer dead. He is alive. And so in the same way, Ripley says, believe it or not, I want to say to you right now, believe it or not. Jesus is actually alive. But the thing is, this actually carries consequence for you. This is not like believing a salamander can stick out its tongue half its body length 50 times faster than you can blink. That doesn't really matter to your day to day. It doesn't really matter to eternity for you at all, does it? But Jesus, on the other hand, that matters. Have a look at that last verse again, verse 30. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book. Do you remember we spoke about this verse earlier on in the term? In fact, John says in another place, if all of these things were written down, there's not enough books in the world. There's not enough room in the world for all the books that were needed to be written, sorry, to record all these things that Jesus has done. He's done so many things to prove who he is, but these things are written down, he says in verse 31, so that you would believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. Believe it or not, but why would you? Well, he says in that last line, so that by believing you would have life. I tell you these things and I speak passionately to you in the mornings at chapel because these things are worth believing because they actually carry consequence for you and for your life. I'm not just trying to win an argument with you. I'm not just trying to outsmart you. I'm trying to give you information which will save you. You believe all kinds of things in this world. Here's some evidence of that. I wonder if you remember this picture from Year 7. Do you remember it? Here are some yellow dots which represent the amount of information that we have about significant people in our society, in our world from the past. People like Caesar and his work or his efforts in the Gaelic Wars. Do you know about Caesar and his efforts in the Gaelic Wars? We have 10 documents written about that moment. 
and we all believe that he actually fought the Gaelics. These things were written down, formally written down, a thousand years after Caesar died. Let's compare that for a moment to Jesus. Here is the information about Jesus. Over 24,000 pieces of information written about the life of Jesus, all within the time span of somewhere between 40 to 70 years. We believe in Caesar, but some reason we are hesitant to believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus and you will have life. On the screen, here's another Ripley's, believe it or not, about Bruce Lee. You guys know Bruce Lee? Bruce Lee could move so fast that he could snatch a dime from someone's hand before they could close it. And he could also leave a penny behind. Whoa, right? Snatch, put down, take it away, I haven't even realised yet. We look at that and we go, wow, I believe that to be true. But Jesus, Jesus died, Jesus rose again. He gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Jesus appeared to the disciples. He also went on to appear to over 500 people. Jesus really rose because Jesus really is the resurrection and the life. Jesus really brings resurrection and life to you, but it's written so that you would believe. And so the challenge is today, believe in Jesus and have eternal life. I would love to talk with you more about this year 10. So come and speak to me. We'll speak to your house tutors. I would love to talk with you more about some of the evidence that we have about the life of Jesus um, so that you would believe and have eternal life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that in your great word, the Bible, we've got heaps of information about your great love for us and the evidence for your love for us in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Lord, I pray that these students today would believe this wonderful news about Jesus and that by believing that they would have eternal life. Help them in this life that they're living today to have a good day, um, to work hard, to be productive, um, to be mindful of one another, to be loving and careful around one another as well. Uh, But Lord, I pray most of all that they would consider Jesus the risen Saviour and our great God and King. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening, everyone. You can get in contact with me via Twitter at MRK Schroeder or on the Anchor app, you can actually leave a voice message. I'd love you to do that and I might include it in the next podcast. Catch you later.